Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy. Available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, guys. So we are sitting down here with the voice of the North Carolina Tar Heels. You guys know him, of course. It's Jones Angel, guys. I can't believe I was finally able to get this guy on the podcast. Uh, you know, it, uh, it's been a while. I had to work up a little bit of courage. But, uh, Jones, thanks for joining us, man. Oh, gosh, I'm excited to be here and uh, looking forward to talking with you and uh, talking some Tar Heels and excited about basketball season getting going. And, gosh, wish we had some happier football news to talk about to this point. Obviously, it's been a tough year for the Heels, but um, always love talking Tar Heels and appreciate the time. Yeah, man. So, uh, I mean, you said it. It's It's been a tough year. They currently sit at 1-6, and six, but, you know, I, I know you have guys on the show each week that you do with Coach Fedora at Top of the Hill, Larry Fedora Live, and, and just kind of tell us, you know, what's the mindset around this team? Is this a team that still feels like, you know, they're playing for Coach Fedora, there's still something to play for with this team, or is it kind of maybe starting to turn in that direction that maybe we didn't want it to turn? I think you got to give a lot of credit uh, to the guys on this team for continuing to, to go out there and working hard and trying to, to give the best effort that they can give. I mean, clearly it's been a difficult season to this point. Um, nobody wants to be one in six through seven games. Um, but, you know, you, you mentioned having guys on. We had Carl Tucker was one of the players on earlier this week, and I asked Carl uh, kind of a similar question, just, you know, how do you, how do you keep that motivation going? How do you keep working hard? Um, how do you get this thing turned around? And he said, you know, you play for each other and, and, and you keep playing for the guy next to you and you want, you don't want to let him down and uh, you don't want to let yourself down. You want to keep working hard. And so, yeah, I don't think effort has ever been the issue for the Tar Heels. I, I don't think that has been the problem or uh, trying to go out there and do their best. That hasn't been it. It's been much more on the execution side of things uh, where I think the problems have come. And with some other things, of course, mixed in when you're dealing with, injuries and suspensions and um, just all the stuff that the Tar Heels have dealt with over the last uh, almost two full seasons now. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's hard to, to continue to work hard and continue to keep your eyes forward and, and doing that. But I think Carolina has done a good job with that to this point. You mentioned execution and one of the stats I think that speaks uh, volumes when it comes to execution has to be the third down conversion rate currently at 31.3%, uh, which ranks 125th in the country. What do you believe is the biggest reason that the Tar Heels are struggling on third downs? Yeah, that's a, that's a big stat, and it's a good point you bring up. I mean, that that's extraordinarily low. Um, yeah, I think the biggest issue, at least uh, in the last game for the Tar Heels, was the, the inability to run the football in that particular game against Virginia. So I think they were getting in, you know, a lot of second and 11s or second and eights and things like that, and, and then those lead you to third and seven or uh, third and ten, and, and those are hard to convert. Um, so I think that that was the issue in that particular game. But in total this year, Carolina's actually been pretty good running the football. So I don't think that's necessarily been the issue. I think it's hard to pin it down on one thing. I think, number one, you, you don't want to get in those third and long situations because when you do, those are hard to convert. Um, that's hard for anybody to convert. But particularly with the Tar Heels right now, and they're, they're not real good at pushing the ball down the field. It's not their strength this season. And so I do think that that has handcuffed them a little bit on those third and long situations. 
But gosh, Anthony, I mean, you, you could go and pick out particular plays throughout the year, and some of those are third and short, some of those are third and medium, and Carolina just has not executed at a high enough level um, to, to convert those at a rate that they want to. And um, I wish I could tell you that it was one specific thing that I think has caused Carolina to struggle in that area, but I just don't know if it's there. I mean, I, I think sometimes it's one thing, sometimes it's another, sometimes like a great example is the Syracuse game uh, where the Tar Heels, you know, they convert that key third down late in the game and, and they're going to win it. All they have to do at that point is is take a knee, but they just didn't execute the play. And so um, I think this would be a much easier problem to fix if it was one specific thing. But I think the challenge has been that it's it's been different things as Carolina has moved across the season. Yeah, no, I tend to agree with you there. Uh, when you look at Nathan Elliott, I think he's a guy that, to this point, is definitely receiving a lot of criticism. And early in the season, I think there was a little bit of an understanding amongst a lot of Tar Heel fans as to why. But now it seems like the fan base is a little bit split because since returning in that game against Virginia Tech, he really has played well. At this point, um, you know, is it kind of fair to say that he shouldn't be getting a lot of the blame? He's been playing well enough to put this team in position to win games? Yeah, I think Nathan Elliott really struggled in the first two games of the season. Uh, the California game, you know, with the four interceptions, uh, clearly that is not the kind of production that you want from your quarterback. It's just not going to give you a chance to win the game. Um, and then in the East Carolina game, while Nathan did not throw any interceptions, he was pretty inaccurate in that game. I think uh, the Carolina coaches missed or, or tallied 11 missed throws that they thought should have been completed, that, that were routine kind of throws and that were there that Carolina just missed in that particular game. And so, you know, those two games were not very good. Um, but since then, it, as you referenced, you know, I do think that Nathan has really settled down. Um, you know, I've talked to him, and he said he just wasn't, he, he wasn't playing within himself those first couple of games. He was out there trying to do too much. He was really pressing the issue, trying to make plays, um, rather than just kind of being the best version of himself that he can be. And look, I mean, Nathan Elliott is a solid quarterback. He is, does not have the strongest arm in Division One football. He does not have the fastest legs in Division One football. But he can manage your team. He can get you up and down the field. And I think he has done a much better job of that um, since that time. And what he has done pretty well is protect the football. I mean, he's thrown 212 consecutive passes at this point without an interception. That's a single-season record for Carolina. So, He's doing his job, what he's being asked to do. Now, you know, can Carolina do as much offensively as they want to? Um, has he made every single play or every single read perfectly um, since that East Carolina game? No. But to look at Carolina's offense and go, this one player is why the Tar Heels aren't having success, I, I think that would be a big mistake. One of the other things that I'll ask you uh, that's kind of a negative, and then we'll move on to some of the positives. You know, this team so far, they've lost three games by one possession. You can take that as maybe a positive, I guess, but is the struggles to close out games, is it because this team is still so young? That's a terrific question, Anthony. I, I do think that's been one of the more frustrating parts, uh, particularly that Virginia Tech and, and Syracuse games. Those are games Carolina should have won. I mean, the Tar Heels, I thought they dominated that game against Virginia Tech on the field, but never enough on the scoreboard. And then, you know, Virginia Tech made the plays late to win it. And then, you know, the Tar Heels just had so many opportunities uh, against Syracuse late in the game 
um, to, to close that one out that they could not do. And so, um, you know, those two in particular, I know the other one, one score game is California. You know, that one's a little different. Carolina made that a one score game late and then had an onside kick opportunity that didn't go their way. Um, but those two conference games in particular are ones that I think the Tar Heels feel like they should have had. Um, and I think it's a combination of a couple different things. Um, you know, this particular group of guys, you know, this isn't Mitch Trubisky and Ryan Switzer and TJ Logan and um, Bug Howard and uh, all those players from uh, five years ago or so that, that had that bank of experience of, of winning some big games. You know, this group I think still needs to – learn how to win those type of close games and and there's no magic dust that you can sprinkle on them and have them figure it out they just have to go do it it has to happen and then it starts happening more and i think y'all go back to something that you asked earlier i do think that when you fall into some of the stuff that carolina has struggled with when you get into a close game late one of two things can happen you either start going oh gosh is something bad going to happen and and you kind of play against something bad happen happening rather than playing for something good to happen. And then also, and Brian Simmons, who's our analyst on, on the Toriel Sports Network and does such a great job and you know knows a ton more about football than I do. He mm-hmm. played in the league for 10 years and was an All-America at Carolina. You know, he talks a lot about you know, not waiting for someone else to make the play to win the game, that you individually, whoever you are, have to go out there and you, you want that responsibility. You be the guy who wants to go make – the key tackle or the interception or make the catch that gives you the third down to seal the game or, or whatever it is, you have to want that responsibility. And so I think the Tar Heels are still um, trying to figure out how to, how to make all those things happen late in close games. And it's just hard for it to happen until it does. And then I think once it does, it starts to build on itself a little bit. One of the guys I think that's been a playmaker to this point, there's been a few guys out there uh, that I think have really stepped their game up, but the guy to me that really has stood out has been Trey Morrison, who I think is just having a fantastic freshman season. You know, when you look at it, we've seen some great corners here, especially in the last couple of years with guys like MJ Stewart and Des Lawrence, and even going back to a guy like Kendrick Burney. Is this one of the most talented guys that we've seen in a while? I mean, how high do you think that this guy could climb eventually down the line um, in, in Carolina history amongst some of the great corners? Well, Carolina's had some great ones for sure. But what I think Trey has that a lot of those guys also had is confidence. And, you know, I think even if you want to go farther back, you know, Dre Bly, who I think is the best corner Carolina's ever had. You know, Dre just – didn't think that you were going to catch the ball against him. And he thought he was better than you, and he was going to pick the ball off and then go run it the other way. And you have to have that kind of confidence at that position. And, and the moment since the moment that Trey walked on campus, he has had that confidence in himself. And I don't mean that he's cocky or thinks that he doesn't have to work or something like that. That's not it. It's just that he has confidence in his abilities to go out there and make the play. Now, has he made some mistakes this year? Yeah. I mean, he he had the wrong leverage on that long touchdown, for example, at the end of the Syracuse game that allowed the Orange to tie it up uh, late in regulation. But what he then did is say, okay, I understand what happened. Now I'm going to go back out there and make the next play. And you just have to do that at that position. You can't let negative plays build on themselves because every single – human being that has ever played cornerback has been beat for a touchdown before. It's just how it is. And so you have to have the confidence in yourself, in your technique, in your ability 
to be able to play at a high level at that particular position. And so when you have that confidence mixed in with the physical abilities that, that Trey has, I think he's a good tackler. You've seen that a couple times um, as this year has gone on where he's made some big open field tackles. Um, I think he has a really nice combination of, of something that can make him a, a big-time player, an all-conference type of player at that position in, in coming seasons. Yeah, one of the other areas, I think this is more of a, a group thing. I think uh, the secondary has played well, but the pass rush to me has been one of the big things with this defense. I think that has helped them kind of take a step forward. My question to you, though, is how big of an impact has this had um, to the overall success of this defense, a group that really to this point has looked like they've, they've improved upon last season? I tell you, the really, and I agree with you, Anthony, I think the frustrating part about that from Carolina's perspective is that the Tar Heels still really haven't ever had this season the defensive line that they thought they were going to have. I mean, they, they thought their four starters were going to be Carney and Fox on the end and Aaron Crawford and Jason Strobridge at the tackles, and then you're able to bring in guys like Tyler Powell and Jalen Dalton and Jeremiah Clark and Alan Cater, and you have this uh, pretty impressive depth of talented, experienced players. But because of injuries, you know, Aaron Crawford's only played, gosh, I guess maybe 10 snaps this season. Um, the suspensions with Carney and Fox, and, you know, Carolina's still dealing with that. Fox still has to sit out one game somewhere along the line um, in these final four for the Tar Heels. So they just haven't had the full complement of guys that they thought they were going to have. Um, and when you think about the success that they have been able to achieve with that front four, um, even though they haven't had all the players that they thought they were going to have, I think that makes it even more impressive. Um, now, a couple other things. You know, I, I think a good example of that is Virginia Tech. You know, that was probably Carolina's best defensive effort of the season, and, and the Tar Heels were able to get a lot of pressure with just four people. And, and so they were able to drop seven into coverage and, and really did a nice job in all areas. Um, now, coming up against Georgia Tech uh, this weekend, you know, that's a position that you're starting to see a little bit of attrition. You know, uh, Jalen Dalton is has been battling injuries all year. Aaron Crawford has barely played, as we mentioned. You know, Tyrone Hopper, a reserve, has been hurt. Um, Alan Cater is, is, looks like he has a long-term injury. So, I mean, it, it is you're starting to run out of guys, and that's dangerous against Georgia Tech because they, the way that they block, the way that they play offense, is particularly difficult for a defensive line to handle. Yeah, and then uh, the last thing that I'll ask you, and it's been a storyline I think that's kind of starting to develop, and of course it could be that you know the Tar Heels may end up moving on from Larry Fedora at the end of the season, but that's not my question. And this was something that was brought up here um, actually recently at the radio station that I'm intern uh, that I'm interning at, and it's really uh, is there a hunger to win football games at Carolina? I mean, you know, for for passionate fans like us, of course, but overall, do you think that you know it would be a an attractive job out there because there is a hunger to win football games? You know, I think that's a, a pretty uh, big misnomer about Carolina and about Carolina football that somehow the Tar Heels don't have the desire to be good. Uh, yeah, I, I think that could, could not be uh, further from the truth. I mean, the amount of money that Carolina puts into the sport, the amount of resources that are provided for football, I mean, you're getting really close to opening up this uh, brand-new multimillion-dollar indoor practice facility and brand-new practice area right there in the dead center of campus um you know just redid all of the seats in keenan stadium which i think was a big positive uh for 
uh, fans to try to improve the game day experience for them uh, as they come to watch the Tar Heels play. You know, there's hundreds of people that put in time um, on a game day to try to make sure that it runs as smoothly as possible in Chapel Hill and that the experience is as positive as possible. Um, you know, and, and let's not forget, you know, Larry Fedora, after Carolina went 11-1 and in the regular season in 2015, um, every single Tar Heel fan out there wanted Carolina to do whatever it could do to, to give him the money to make sure that he stayed. And that's what they did. And so um, to, to somehow suggest, and I'm not saying you are suggesting this, Anthony, I'm just saying that to somehow suggest that the Tar Heels aren't interested in being good in football, um, I think is a big mistake. I, I think that anybody within college athletics understands that um, you that being good in football is good for your entire athletic department, not just monetarily, but I think it sets the tone for your athletic season. I think it sets the tone for the feel of the university for that particular year, um, and it's just an important it's an important thing for us to invite uh, sixty thousand Tario fans back on Saturdays and give them a great product on the field and, and make them feel good about what's happening in Chapel Hill, and so. Um, it's incredibly important to what the Tar Heels want to do, not just um, in Keenan Stadium and for that program. It's incredibly important for the athletic department and the university as a whole. Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, Jones Angel, the voice of the North Carolina Tar Heels, stopping by to talk with us. Hey, Jones, thank you so much. Uh, Tell the people where they can follow you if somehow they're a Tar Heel fan and don't follow you on Twitter. (laughs) Okay. Uh, they're welcome to do so. It's at Jones Angel. Angel has two L's at the end, of course. And uh, um, our podcast is uh, the Carolina Insider. I host that a couple times a week with Adam Lucas. Have a good time with that. And uh, that Twitter feed is at Carolina underscore pod. And uh, you can find, uh, you can subscribe to that podcast in a bunch of different places, all the normal places that you would. So um, we got busy, a busy couple of weeks coming up, Anthony. Basketball, football, both going on. It's the craziest time of year. And uh, looking forward to hopefully talking about a lot of Tar Heel victories. Yeah, Jones, that's awesome, man. And, uh, yeah, it should be fantastic. I think the basketball team's going to be pretty good, so it'll help to uh, to lighten up what has been a, a little bit of a dark time here uh, this season for the football team. But, uh, hey, thanks for stopping by, and uh, I'll let you run because I know you're a busy man. But, uh, you know, thanks for uh, coming on, and have a great weekend, okay? Happy to do so. Let's do it again in the future. All right. Yes, sir. Thanks, Anthony. All right. Yeah, thank you, Jones. All right, so Jones Angel, voice of the North Carolina Tar Heels, stopping by to talk with us here on the Heel Tough Blog podcast. So, as always, I want to thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Heel Tough Blog podcast. Once again, got to thank Jones Angel for stopping by and chatting with us. Of course, got to thank Josh Marlowe for hopping on with us as the co-host for this recap of the Virginia game and the preview of this weekend's Georgia Tech game. As always, guys, you can listen to the broadcast on uh on the Tar Heel Sports Network, that's 99.3 FM, 1110 AM WBT in Charlotte, 97.9 FM, and 1360 AM WCHL in Chapel Hill, and 106.1 WTKK FM in Raleigh. 
Uh, for others, please check your local listings. If you want to watch the game on television, Tom Worm and Dave Archer will be on the call for the Raycom Sports Network as well as the ACC Digital Network. So, once again, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Subscribe wherever you can subscribe to podcasts. Spreaker, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, uh, uh, TuneIn app, uh, and wherever else. Uh, the podcast is available. Also, check out the blog on medium.com. Heel Tough blog is what you search. So, once again, want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels.